1060 KDUS Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Pressure coming. End zone, Wilson. Touchdown. The fourth down gamble pays off. Michael Wilson has come to life after a month and a half disappearance. The rookie's in the end zone. Big yards. Three Michigan tight ends in the ballgame. They handed to Corum again and makes a cut. First down. Spinston scores! Blake Corum puts Michigan on top in overtime. Here we go. No more timeouts to take here. Game on the line. That's Williams in motion. Low snap. Melrose stopped. Michigan makes a stand and comes up with a milestone playoff victory. They frequently run the play clock down a lot. In the end zone, touchdown. Jalen McMillan, 19 yards, and the Huskies lead for the fourth time tonight. Off the inbound, Beal. That's such a beautiful throw. He's looking down into the rim. Like, I would never teach guys to jump that hard, that high, and take their jumper, but he's protected it. They stack the line of scrimmage. Fafita rolls, fires on the run. What a throw and catch. Cowering down the sideline. He is in. Touchdown, Arizona. And, Charles, they are not attempting a field goal. You're looking at a 53-54 yard attempt. Instead, it's a fourth and seven for Baltimore going for it. Thinking big numbers here, trying to really get out ahead in this game. Deep drop. Jackson, step, deliver. It's snagged by Likely. Isaiah Likely diving for the touchdown. What do you see? The four-man rush, Purdy. Nothing downfield. Smith-Williams was chasing. Purdy gets out of there. Looking deep. Back in the end zone. He's got Ayuk for the touchdown. A little Purdy improv to keep the play alive and find his top target, Brandon Ayuk, for the score. Could be going away in the course of the next week and a half. To the end zone, and that is hauled in for a touchdown. Anthony Evans, moments ago, Jesse, I turned to you and said, are we going to see 60? Well, look at the scoreboard, folks. Dallin Hayden with 19 carries on the year. He's in, and now Brown, quarterback run, but dropped at the 30-yard line for a loss on the play of four. Keep an eye on Devin Brown, guys. He got rolled up two plays ago, and his left leg is injured right now. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports zone guide, Bob Kemp on KDUSAM1060. Welcome to the Tuesday, January 2nd edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. And Happy New Year to all those tuning in for the first Sports Zone of 2024. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlex HD 2 100.7, the Cardinals, did they win too many games in 2023 to not, uh, to, not, to, be, not to be able to get a difference-making quarterback in the 2024 draft? 
The University of Michigan was coaching the difference in the win over Alabama. The University of Washington, what was the biggest reason it beat Texas other than better quarterback play? The Suns, have they turned it around these last four games? The Wildcats, is the football program close to overtaking the basketball program in popularity in Tucson? The NFL, which top seed uh, is most likely not to reach the Super Bowl? The top seeds have now been determined after last Sunday's results and really you know, the first 17 weeks of the season results. Back to college football, is there any way to try to add some meaning to the non-CFP bowl games? And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday, and this week, Tuesday through Friday, because we didn't show up yesterday. And for the last 17 or 18 days until today. In moments, we'll have the introduction of today's pipeline, 10-15 or so. A little CFP semifinal analysis, and we'll look ahead a little bit to the championship game. David Kenyon of Bleacher Report scheduled to join us. 10-30 interactive action at 602-260-1060. And also the bottom line from today's pipeline. And also at least some local roundup. Uh, that'll be topped by some analysis of the Cardinals' second-half domination and win on Sunday at Philadelphia. And then the final segment of the sports zone will be the national roundup, topped by Rip from the headlines and from the wire. On to the pipeline we go. Time for today's Pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And as usual, we start usual, he tried to say. We start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. Today's question is, the Cardinals win too many games in 2023? Uh, Not to be able to add a difference-making quarterback from the 2024 draft class. And uh, Corey's here and has the early returns on that. Okay, we have 100% on no, KDUS1060.com. Wow. Well, the Cardinals dropped from second to fourth in the first round after their victory on Sunday, their fourth victory of the year on Sunday at Philadelphia. The current top three teams drafting ahead of the Cardinals, Chicago, Washington, and New England, could all select quarterbacks. In fact, maybe they should all select quarterbacks. Today's Twitter poll question was coaching the difference in Michigan's overtime victory over Alabama. And, uh, Corey, what do we have here? Let's see. We got no leading. 69.2% of the vote. Yes, 30.8% of the vote right now. KDUSAM1060 on Twitter. Michigan overcame multiple special teams mistakes before Jim Harbaugh and his staff made multiple decisive decisions and calls during the fourth quarter overtime in the eventual 28-21 victory at the Rose Bowl on Monday. The second semifinal last night, uh, Washington had the better quarterback. They never trailed against Texas, but they had to hang on for the 37-31 victory. Other than Michael Penix Jr. outplaying Quinn Ewers, what was the biggest difference that Washington defeated and eliminated Texas? On the local front, the Suns have won four straight, including three straight in the last four nights to begin a six-game homestand. Have the Suns turned it around during this current four-game winning streak? Meanwhile, uh, the Diamondbacks have uh, been busy. The hot stove has included uh, re-signing free agent outfielder Lourdes Gurriel Jr. They traded for third baseman Gino Suarez. 
They signed right-handed, excuse me, left-handed uh, starting pitcher Eduardo Rodriguez, and there's speculation that Mike Hazen is looking to add another bat. J.D. Martinez and Jorge Soler have been mentioned as possibilities. So, J.D. Martinez or Jorge Soler, which would be the better free agent addition and better fit for the Diamondbacks? Meanwhile, the U of A had, uh, you know, the, the football program had a better December than the basketball program. Jed Fish's football program finished with a seven-game winning streak and 10 wins overall after scoring the final 25 points to beat Oklahoma 38-24 last Thursday night in the Alamo Bowl. Tommy Lloyd's basketball team has lost three out of four games now since our last show, including Sunday's you know, 100-82 loss at Stanford. That's the Wildcats' fourth consecutive poor defensive performance. They lost three of those games. Is the U of A football program actually threatening the basketball program as the top program in Tucson? Meanwhile, spanning the globe from the NFL, the Ravens and 49ers clinched number one seeds on Sunday, while there's speculation that both Kelsey brothers might actually retire after the Chiefs and Eagles seasons conclude. Not likely. It's, I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm stick, stepping out on a limb here. I don't think it's likely to be a 2023 Super Bowl rematch between the Chiefs and the Eagles. Uh, meanwhile, what stood out to you? Uh, during uh, the uh, final, uh, next to last week, last weekend of the uh, NFL regular season, and which number one seed is not uh, is most likely not to reach the Super Bowl, the Chiefs or the, uh, you know, excuse me, the, uh, the Ravens or the 49ers. Those would be the top two seeds. Meanwhile, back to college football and away from the CFP, the bowl games dominated by opt-outs and transfers, most notably Georgia's 63-3 destruction of the significantly shorthanded Florida State team or program. Not exactly the team that we saw during the regular season out there on the last Saturday in that game. That was not really a game. Ohio State didn't even threaten to score a touchdown in the 14-3 embarrassing loss to Missouri. Is there any way that the non-college football playoff division, you know, playoff games, you know, the you know, non-semifinal games, uh, can they, can, is there some way that college football can put some meaning into those games? Because there wasn't much meaning in many of those games, if any, quite frankly, in the last three weeks. Also, in addition to all these outstanding questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? Which has been a long time ago. It was December, December 15th, if I remember correctly. All right, that's Pipeline for today. We'll get to all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else in your mind falls in the general discussion category, so whether it's in the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or in tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. <laughs> Coming up next, Corey, we'll have a news update that will be followed by college football, uh, some co- college football playoff analysis from yesterday's semifinals. Look ahead a little bit to the uh, championship game next Monday night. David Kenyon from Bleacher Report scheduled to join us in the next segment. Once again, at the bottom of the hour, phone call time, general discussion. First time you can talk to me in 2024. I'm sure that's something you can put in the uh, yeah, I was going to say your resume, but I don't think you're looking for jobs. Uh, but whatever. You, you can you tell all your friends. 
and co-workers and you know, family members and maybe some of those are the same thing you can tell them that i got to talk to bob first in 2024 that's uh something to really look forward to so who will be first if anybody today 602-260-1060 you're listening to sports with bob camp on kdus am 1060 and kiss lux hd2 100.7 Check out KDUS AM 1060 on 100.7 KSLX HD2. That's right, HD Radio on 100.7 channel number two. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD2 100.7. Your home, the Dan Patrick Show, live Monday through Friday from 7 to 10 a.m. College football playoff semifinals were entertaining from start to finish. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined the sports on by David Kenyon of Bleacher Report. And David, always good to have you. Happy New Year and all those things we're supposed to say at this time of the year. Uh, let, let's start with the Michigan overtime victory over Alabama. Why did Michigan, after doing almost nothing during the second half on offense, what did they do differently during that final drive of regulation? All of the pleasantries back to you, Bob. Happy New Year. Thanks for having me on. But, uh, yeah, it was it was definitely an Alabama master class. The Nick Saban that we have come to expect in the second half, Michigan looked in control in that first half and then looked like he could do absolutely nothing in the second half. I, I think it really is simply Michigan got back to finding the little things that they could do pre-snap to frustrate, well, not frustrate, but confuse Alabama's defense, which was not reacting particularly quickly. And then uh, that fourth and two, you saw Quorum kind of leak out of the backfield, and there's absolutely nobody there. And that was a, a trend throughout the entire game um, in, the, in the first half and then late in that portion in the fourth quarter, and then not really in overtime because they just ran two plays and scored a touchdown. But that was the big thing. Michigan had such a good ability to confuse Alabama's defense, force the defenders to make the adjustments on the fly, and it just didn't always happen as well as it needed to. How surprising was that that you know, Michigan was able to confuse Alabama, considering you know Saban's bowl game history and you know Harbaugh's bowl game history for that matter, who had, he'd lost six straight until yesterday. Frankly, I was shocked by just how utterly confused Alabama was in that first half because. You saw on Blake Corum's early touchdown catch. Um, you saw on a, a couple other receptions that Michigan had where it was just Alabama was not reacting quickly enough, and maybe they were getting to the right spot, but then they were not finishing in the right spot. I mean, you saw that again with Robin Wilson's tying touchdown in the fourth quarter. Both linebackers flow with, uh, with Corum going across the formation on a play action. And Roman Wilson just kind of scoots out the left side and nobody's reacting until pretty much the ball is in the air and they have absolutely no chance of getting to him. Yeah, also Alabama, they failed to extend the lead in regulation and they failed to win the game after Michigan tied the game and they, uh, with a couple minutes to go. Was there something wrong with Tommy Reese's offensive approach at that point? I don't think there was something, you know, specifically wrong as as far as like oh he he failed in xyz ways michigan's defense is really good <laughs> and we saw that definitely in the first half where other than a a must punt 
giving Alabama that field position, Alabama really didn't do much. I, this was a, simply a case of Michigan's defensive front, that really front seven plus Mike Sanderstill, the nickelback, is just overwhelming. And Alabama's weakness all season, I mean, we talked about it back in October, I think, that Alabama's offensive line was not good early in the year. They were, they were much better late in the season, but this was a problem for Alabama all year, and you can only do so much as a coordinator uh, to atone for it. And once Michigan stopped uh, Jalen Milleroe's ability to, to scramble, other than a, maybe three times, I would say, throughout the game, but that was such a big part of Alabama's offense that once that was gone, it, Alabama was just in a tough spot against a really good team. David Kenyon of Bleacher Report curling the sports zone. So what else stood out to you in that Michigan victory yesterday? Well, I think from Michigan's side, the negative, I mean, holy cow, how many special teams mistakes can you yeah. make? You've got the, the muff punt early that leads to Alabama's first touchdown. You've got the mishandled extra point that cost Michigan a point and, you know, not totally causes overtime because maybe the, the game plays out a little bit differently if it's 14-7. to 7. But still, like, that, that's a huge one. And then you have uh, a missed field goal, 49-yarder. It's a tough one from the right hash for a, a right-footed kicker, but still, it's a miss. And then almost at the end, a safety on another mishandled punt. So it was just a, a total meltdown for Michigan special teams. And clearly, with, with how well Washington played last night, you cannot afford to give up, what's that, eight points at the minimum and potentially maybe three, five more we will get to the alabama and uh, excuse me the uh the, the michigan and uh and uh, washington game in a minute couple minutes here but first up a little more on uh alabama their first semifinal loss since 2014 first time in nine seasons and no sec team is in the championship game is it good for college football that the sec is not re- rep- uh, not represented in the championship game next monday night I think it's fun. <laughs> I mean, we, we've seen the SEC in there all the time. So I think from that perspective, you know, you've got the Alabama fatigue, the Georgia fatigue, the SEC fatigue. That's no different than, you know, Clemson in previous years. Or if you go to a different sport, the Patriots or the Warriors, you know, at least from my perspective, it, it's nice to see some new people in there. Um, but at the same time, is it good necessarily? I mean, if you want to talk about ratings, No, you're not going to have as high ratings if Alabama or Georgia would have been in it. But, you know, I I don't care. It's like baseball this year, too, when people were complaining that, oh, this is the worst. This is the worst World Series in who knows how long. But I'm like, oh, you've got a team that's never won a World Series against a team that hasn't won in two decades? Well, I'm in for that. And, hey, Michigan hasn't won a title since 97, haven't won an outright title since 1948. Washington hasn't won since they split with Miami in 91. This is awesome for the sport. Speaking of Washington, they won another close game. Uh, They always win close games for two years running. They never trailed before they held off Texas. How does Washington win all these one-score games? Coaching and resilience. And I, I don't know that you can quantify the second one, but it's a testament to the coaching. But when you look at Washington, as we've done all season, you know, just impressed with how they continue to keep winning, it's because the entire team is contributing. And I know that's like a basic thing to hear, but this isn't like one of those teams that leans so heavily on its defense, and that's why it continues to, 
to squeak out wins, or maybe they're, you know, they're just scoring 45 points a game, and the other team just can't keep up. If you look back through all these wins, in particular, you've got like Arizona State and Utah, where Washington had a defensive touchdown that really mattered. You had the last second field goal against Washington State. You've had the offense doing things like it did last night, but even then, yesterday, you had the last second stand. Uh, in the red zone from the defense. So Washington's ability to just believe is is a culture thing, and that's a credit to the coaches. And then the ability to execute late is a credit to the coaches and, of course, the players because they, they just continue to make the one right play when they need it. Well, speaking of that, Michael Penix, Jr., I think most of us saw him play at some point in Indiana. Uh, his Indiana career, I most remember a game that uh, he was great against Ohio State, but they lost that game in Columbus uh, during the pandemic year, and I never imagined he'd be this good. How has he become this good? Uh, yeah, I mean, living here in Indiana, watching Penix a lot, where you know people are very excited about this young kid, but then keeps getting hurt, and he's hurt, and he's hurt. And Kalen DeBoer had been at IU as the offensive coordinator, and they looked great together. But then, you know, DeBoer had things to check off the list, and, and he headed off, and Penix just wasn't the same. And he, he came back, and I was like, oh, that's nice, and I hope Penix stays healthy. But Washington has not played well, you know, in the previous years leading up to uh, 2022. And then suddenly, bam, you've just got this rocket arm that finally is back in the right, comfortable offense and then surrounded by, most importantly, three NFL-bound receivers. I know Jalen Polk isn't going to be there yet, but with uh, Romo Dunze and Jalen McMillan and then Polk, that, that is just an NFL receiving core that Penix has been around in Kalen DeVore's system, which is extremely quarterback-friendly, always has been, but has just been a perfect fit for Penix to get rid of the ball quickly and really show off his awesome touch on the ball because I'm not sure – he made a bad pass all night last night. Obviously, we'll watch back through it and see. But holy cow, he was just on fire yesterday. Yeah, Washington's defense, uh, that's been discussed a lot, including by me over the last few months, weeks, etc. Um, how do they do enough to get by? Well, credit to the offense for scoring a lot usually, but um, – yeah, it's, it's a really good question, and I think if I had the exact answer to that, I'd be in a different job uh, coaching <laughs> on the sideline because, man, they they just are not that good for stretches of the game. And even if you look at, at the run defense yesterday in particular, Texas had more than six yards of carry. Like, Washington was not really stopping Texas, but the biggest thing was they limited the biggest explosive plays because Texas has just ruthless efficiency on offense. But if they start getting those big plays, that's when it starts to get problematic. And you saw late in the game, Xavier Worthy had that, I think about 35 to 40 yard catch on the left sideline. And then Jordan Whittington made the big 40 yard catch uh, on that last drive before Washington uh, stood at the, at the last second. But that's when it started to get dangerous, where Washington was surviving. They were always just going to survive and need the offense to score 30-some points. But they contained the explosive plays. And they just made Texas kind of get down the field, get down the field, get down the field, and finish drives. And you had those two Texas mistakes, those two fumbles. Those are absolutely the difference in that game. 
Is there anything that Texas and specifically Steve Sarkeesian could have done differently for a better outcome for them? I think it's just those those fumbles, honestly, because you had the one in the red zone um, late in the game. I can't remember if that was third or fourth quarter, but, you know, late in the game they have that fumble after just ripping down the field. And if they, if they gain about 10 more yards, they're in field goal position. And maybe at that time, because it was early fourth quarter, um, they might not kick the field goal because they were down 13. But if you think about, like, okay, let's, let's play that game. They kick the field goal, and everything else happens the way it happens, which, again, we understand is not necessarily the case. But then that last drive, Texas just needs a field goal to force overtime, and that game could go to overtime, too. So the, the two big things are just the, the costly mistakes that coaches will always talk about. Got to protect the ball, and Texas didn't do that late. All right, talking with David Kenyon from Bleacher Report. Let's look ahead a little bit to early thoughts on the uh, championship game next Monday night. First up, uh, your early impressions of how the Michigan offense might match up against that uh, Washington defense. Yeah, I, that's, uh, that's definitely an advantage as far as running the ball. For Michigan, it does hurt to not have Zach Zinter in there, um, All-American guard for the Wolverines. Um, they're not going to be particularly explosive on the ground, most likely, but you saw just how badly uh, Washington was struggling against Texas's running game that I think Michigan is going to be able to control the clock a little bit, which is very, very necessary because they do not want to get a, in a shootout with Washington because I think that one goes um, – the Huskies way, you know, nine out of 10 times kind of thing. So I think Michigan's running game is going to be um, really, really strong. Uh, the best, the best matchup I would say there. Washington secondary is pretty solid. Um, the movement, I am curious if it can confuse Alabama. I'm, I'm a little concerned about a Washington defense that has, has some really good moments and some really bad moments. So I think Michigan's offense is going to have the advantage, but it's certainly going to be be the opposite way on the other side of the field. Okay, so let's get to that. You know, the Washington offense against the Michigan defense, is is this just kind of a – I would assume a lot of NFL people are very curious to watch the Washington passing game against the Michigan pass rush and pass defense. Yeah, that's the story because you know Washington is not going to run the ball. (laughs) I mean – the, the offensive line is certainly better than Alabama's, but Michigan's defensive front is just so good that I, I find it hard to believe that Washington will be able to run the ball effectively. But, man, like I said, and, and like you pointed out there, a lot of NFL people who are very interested because you've got um, the, the three receivers from Washington that we talked about, but then Michigan has Will Johnson, who was a five-star corner. He's 6'2". He's just a big, rangy guy who I imagine he and Odunze will be paired up quite often, but then Michigan also has Mike Sandra still in Nickelback. He's a con- converted receiver, played there for three years, but then the last two years has been a Nickelback and just excelled there. And so he's, he's going to cover well, but he's also pretty tricky with the blitzes. You saw that a little bit yesterday, that uh, Washington's game is predicated on getting the ball out quickly, but Michigan plays with a lot of deception on defense. Um, Jesse Minter is a, their coordinator, and that's a name you should probably know for the future. But they, they do so well um, disguising and, and sending pressure or looking man but dropping zone. There was a critical third down they did that yesterday. 
you know, they kind of bait you in what, into what they want you to do. And so that'll, that'll be the chess match that'll be really fun to watch. You mentioned Washington trying to run the ball. We saw Johnson uh, go down. He's been you know, have bothered by this lower leg injury for weeks now, and that happened again at the end of the game yesterday for the Huskies. Does, uh, if, does his – let's assume he doesn't play next Monday night. Uh, does, uh, how much does that change your opinion, or is that just kind of kind of cement your opinion and they're not going to be able to run the ball at all? I think it probably just cements it to the perspective of – we haven't really seen Washington use anybody else. Johnson has carried such a heavy load this season. I mean, if you look at the the backups, Will Nixon, Tyler Rogers this year, they've combined for 74 carries. Like that's mm. we're, we're talking about a combined five per game. So we simply don't have the evidence of these players. So that that certainly, in some case, solidifies it. But I don't think even with Johnson healthy to the point that he was, that Washington was going to be able to do much on the ground. I think you're going to have to see Michael Penix pick up the load a little bit. It was nice to see, you know, kind of some veer concepts yesterday um, that Penix had a, a couple nice runs off of. So I think you're going to have to see a little bit more of that, but you also don't want to be running Penix into that defensive front when you know his arm is going to be what wins or loses you the game anyway. Okay, one final thing, David. Away from the CFP, the other bowl games have been really dominated by opt-outs and transfers. And you know, we had the Georgia 63-3 destruction of the shorthanded Florida State team. Uh, Ohio State, without a quarterback, couldn't even threaten to score a touchdown in the loss against Missouri. Can college football or can something be done in these non-playoff games to you know, get some interest and meaning into those games? I think there's there's a lot of things, and this is a long conversation that I would love to have, uh, but I don't want to be on a 10-minute soapbox. I don't think that's good radio. Um, and <laughs> so I, I think the biggest problem right now is we have all of these these bowl games where for the last decade, and I don't want to pin this entirely on ESPN because – all media in, in various parts of this, myself included, are guilty of it. But ESPN in particular, because they have the playoff rights, and that's simply why I, I mentioned them, it became championship or bust. You know, 15 years ago, if you made the Outback Bowl, it was still celebrated. You made a New Year's Day game. Like, that was, that was a real goal. And I, I, was, I threw that into a Google search, put it in quotations so I'd get exact results. You had head coaches saying our goal was a New Year's Day Bowl. Like, that was a thing. And now we don't appreciate, you know, Wyoming winning a fourth bowl game under Craig Bowl after no coach in Wyoming history had ever won more than one. We don't appreciate Ole Miss winning 11 games for the first time in program history. We don't have the bandwidth to actually celebrate Missouri getting an 11th win for only the fourth time in program history. Four different teams won a bowl game for the first time in program history this year. That's awesome. These are awesome things. The players care. The fans care. But if we as general media don't say it matters and celebrate that it matters, this is going to continue to happen. And so I think the biggest thing for the Bulls, one of the changes I'd love to see, is for the NCAA 
to allow the Bulls to directly pay the players because right now that is not permitted. But hmm. what if the Orange Bowl had a million dollars set aside that it's like, hey, Keon Coleman, we'll give you $200,000 to play in this game. Johnny Wilson, we'll give you $100,000. Jared Verse, we'll give you a half, you know, whatever. Just to make sure you keep those key players in the game because otherwise, yeah, Florida State, I don't blame them. You throw in the context of not making the CFP as an undefeated team, I don't know what the motivation there is either. So missing 14 starters and 22 players, that's a terrible look. But it's a terrible look for the sport, not for Florida State. This is a sport problem, not not a, a, a team, a culture issue, anything like that. This is a sport the problem it has to handle. And, look, bowl season's going to change. Um, we have to be okay with that. It's certainly not going back to the way it was. But we got to be able to make some tweaks to make it better and, and have some of these key players play in these games and, and bring some value back to the postseason. David, always good talking to you. Thanks. Appreciate your insight as always. Bob, thanks so much. Enjoy it next week. Yeah, you too. David Kenyon from Bleacher Report. All right, next segment, phone call time for the first time in 2024. See if there's reaction to that comment by me. 602-260-1060 also. Uh, time pending. We'll get this little local roundup and uh, some bottom line from the pipeline questions for today. Once again, uh, we're back after the uh, well-deserved vacation. Longest vacation other than when I was on medical leave that I've had in 20-some years at this radio station. So what did I do for the last 20 days or so? Well, watched some games, watched a lot of stuff, listened to a lot of music, got some sleep, did all those good things. So we're ready to go. I think we're ready to go. You tell, tell me where we, whether I'm ready to go. 602-260-1060, general discussion in the next segment and whatever else I can jam in in one segment. So stay tuned. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD2 100.7. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time, 602-260-1060. I might uh, kind of postpone the local roundup and get to that part tomorrow. We'll get to your phone calls in just a couple of seconds here. Uh, first up, I do want to answer the uh, the poll questions for today because those won't be the poll questions tomorrow. Uh, and we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. Did the Cardinals win too many games in 2023? Not to add a difference-making quarterback from the 2020, uh, 2024 NFL draft. And I say yes. Uh, to me, there's only two difference-making quarterbacks. I'm not a Drake May guy. Uh, definitely think that you know, Caleb Williams is the best quarterback. I think Jalen da- Daniels has moved into the second role. But considering the Cardinals, after the win on Sunday, are now fourth in the draft, uh, and Chicago, Washington, and and New England right now have the top three picks, I think all three of those teams should take quarterbacks. And at that point, the Cardinals are fourth. I think they're out of luck as far as what is considered to be a difference-making quarterback, either by me or, in Drake May's case, others. Meanwhile, the other poll question today, the Twitter poll question, was coaching the difference in Michigan's overtime victory over Alabama. I don't really think so. Uh, even though I know there's been some criticism, I think there's a lot of Nick Saban haters out there to start with, which is crazy. Uh, but there are, and uh, they certainly did some things that were 
uh, non-Alabama-like, especially on defense. But if you want to use the coaching thing, I think the special teams has a whole lot to do with coaching, and Michigan was in danger of losing that game because of special teams' gaffes in the first half. So that's the quickest bottom line in uh, 2024 that uh, maybe you'll hear for the whole year, but certainly in this segment. All right, Matt in Phoenix. What's going on, Matt? Bob, it's an honor and a pleasure to be the first caller <laughs> of Sports Zone in 2024. I Hopefully you'll that say that after the call. <laughs> yeah, okay. Happy New Year. I'm good. You too. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I, I can't really think of uh, coaching gaffes uh, on the Alabama side of things. Um, they did some uh, things on defense they don't usually do in terms of missed coverages and, and yeah. you know, probably mental mistakes. Um, the two things that were the separators for me is obviously uh, the offensive line was atrocious. Um, but to me, the thing that went probably undiscussed is um, Alabama has no talent at wide receiver, and they couldn't get open against uh, Michigan's secondary at all. Um, and when Will Johnson locked down, now his name is, is mis- uh, uh, I forgot his name, uh, the, the top wide Multiple. receiver for Alabama. Yeah, they got like three or four. Yeah, go ahead. There you go. Um, yeah, there you go. I was just going to say that. <laughs> he took him out of the game. Uh, there was zero drop-back pass game for uh, for Alabama, and it was essentially can Milrow escape the pocket and make some plays with his legs. Um, so I, I just thought that those two things were the separator and really couldn't have asked much more as, a, as an Alabama backer from a betting perspective for them to do uh, I think special teams kept them in the game and probably would have won them the game and you got a 2013 lead with four minutes to go if you're a if you're a championship team and a championship defense you you shut that game down so they didn't do it and Michigan won the game and probably was deservedly uh probably deservedly so so they move on I actually thought that they were the more athletic team Michigan and they've got not just Johnson, sure, yeah. who I obviously think very highly of. I've talked about him all year long, yep. uh, all sure, season yeah. long. But, uh, yeah, they've got four or five guys in the back end of that defense they are going to be in the NFL. Yeah. Um, they got some guys on defense. There's no there's no question about it. They're their best unit since Harbaugh's been there. Um, I'm very intrigued by the matchup. Uh, I can't wait for Will Johnson and Roma Duce. That's going to be yeah. must-watch TV. Um, I do want to touch a little bit on Washington, Texas here. I, I, I think the game kind of went as expected. Um, Quinn Ears is really, really good sometimes and really, really bad sometimes, and it happens in the same game a lot right. with him. His, yeah. his consistency is wildly inconsistent. So um, I didn't expect much more than that game. I didn't bet it. Um, I enjoyed watching it, but I, I kind of thought that game went uh, as the script would have indicated yeah um i actually bet on both these games and split the two uh so okay. i was a little dis- obviously disappointed for many reasons that uh, michigan prevailed and is moving on again of course. uh so <laughs> there's that uh so you know it was harder to watch them actually play that game uh, than it was to watch you know it's hard to say watch ohio state try to score a touchdown last friday night Ooh. uh but that was a whole different thing 
Yeah, but I, you know, was yeah, I the thing going back to Alabama real quick. The one thing that I do th- I think was uh, most confusing to me is that it was whether it was the last drive of regulation, whether it was the overtime. It just didn't seem that Alabama's defense made adjustments, and they had plenty of yeah. time to figure that stuff out. Yes, I would agree with that, which is shocking coming from. Uh, that team and that head coach, but um, correct. Michigan deserved Who, to win the game, and I thought they were they were no. the better team. Yeah, I thought they were actually. I text my friend uh, in the first quarter of you know, that game that you know, I thought Michigan had better athletes, and uh, that okay. that got my got my attention immediately. And I think they have better the, uh, athletes against Washington too. I agree with that. As far as the national title game, I think it's I think it's Michigan or pass. I kind of like the game. I know this is kind of ridiculous but michigan plays unbelievably slow and and as explosive as washington is they're not a quick team i think they were like 84th and pace right i think this game could be sneaky under like oh i think think it's not i I don't even think it's sneaky i definitely that that's the one thing i'm going to do for sure is i'll be on the under in this game because both teams i agree with that they use they'll use the play clock almost never do they snap the ball before yep. there's like five seconds left before the you know play clock runs out. So we'll definitely do that. Matt, good talking to you as always. Happy Thanks, New Year. Bye. Thanks. Thank All you. right, next seg- yeah, you too. Next segment, let's wrap we'll wrap it up with the national roundup and we'll get in as much much as we can in this next segment. Also, um, I gotta do a little work here in the next 24 hours because my you know usual website for odds is now I guess after the new year now a pay website for odds, uh, so I'm gonna have to find something that is, I'm not paying for it. So uh, we'll see how that uh, that'll be uh, number one on my to-do list in the next 24 hours. So if you want to get in. Uh, you know, if you have any suggestions for good uh, websites that don't make you pay for the latest line, uh, get a hold of me somehow. So you know, maybe even just kind of think that over and call me tomorrow as far as that goes. All right, you're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and HD 2 100.7. Final segment of today's Sports Zone. This will be the fastest segment of uh, 2024 to date because uh, it's up against. I'm up against it here. It is thank you time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever, whatever else slipped through the cracks. Also, our guest today, college football playoff analysis and a little uh, talk about what the, what can they do about the other bowl games at this point. David Kenyon joined us from Bleacher Report in segment two of the hour. Also, sound of the day, courtesy of Fox, ESPN, 3TV, and CBS. Special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And on to some quick things here uh, while we were gone. I'll get to a couple of things here. Let's start with the NFL. The Chargers and Raiders reportedly possible landing spots for Jim Harbaugh if he leaves Michigan. He was asked yesterday whether next week will be the final game he coaches at Michigan, and he, you know, as you would expect, didn't answer the question. Possible landing spots for Russell Wilson in 2024 include Atlanta, Las Vegas, New England, and also Pittsburgh. The Jets have missed the playoffs now for 13 consecutive years. Quite frankly, they should move on from Robert Sala. 
Uh, he might be a good defensive coordinator. I don't think I think it's pretty clear now he's not a head coach. But Aaron Rodgers endorsed the return of Salah. Plus, Rodgers endorsed the return of offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett and general manager Doug Douglas. Also, that endorsement by Rodgers, followed by Woody Johnson, the owner of the Jets, reportedly deciding before Christmas that Salah, Hackett, and Douglas would all return next season. Meanwhile, the Vikings' T.J. Hawkinson, questionable, uh, really, I think, very questionable, start the 2024 regular season after he suffered torn ACL and MCL injuries in Week 16 against the Packers. College football, DJU heading back to the ACC, uh, leaving Oregon State officially, go to Florida State, then the transfer portal. Uh, that means that DJU will play his previous school, Clemson, in 2024. That game's in Tallahassee, by the way, this year. Florida State, uh, that quarterback spot opened when it was believed that Cam Ward, the Washington State transfer, would end up at Florida State. But Ward on Monday officially announced that he's entering the NFL draft. Meanwhile, Lane Kiffin and his representation continues to manipulate the system in his favor. Uh, for the third consecutive year, after Old Miss has had a good season, his name was out there for a so-called big-time head coaching job or here and there. Michigan State comes, comes to mind in the last few months. But he keeps getting better jobs and gets a better renegotiated deal to stay in Oxford, so he and his representation playing the system properly. All right, that's it for today. We're one down in 2024. We made it through. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow, full fourth, uh, full three hours. First, the Sports Zone from 10 to 11, followed by the Extra Point, hosted by Kayla from 11 to 1 o'clock. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. Thanks very much for listening, and once again, Happy New Year, everybody. <laughs>